Hey everyone, welcome to CA Church Online. My name's Sam and I'm one of the pastors here. And whether you've been coming to our church for decades or whether a friend just sent you a link and this is your first time ever joining us for a worship service, we're so glad you'd spend some time with us. Over the next 55 to 60 minutes, we're gonna sing together, we're gonna learn from scripture together, we're gonna give together, and we're gonna pray together. As we begin, I just wanna read a passage of scripture from the book of Matthew. It's Matthew chapter six, starting in verse 25. Here's what it says. This is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store up food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thought of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows what you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. From the onset of our time together this morning, I wanna remind you that God is with you that he is your provider, that in these uncertain times, it's easy to feel anxious and stressed and worried. He cares for the birds, he cares for the lilies. How much more does he care for you? You can rest in this truth this morning that he's sovereign, that he's with you, that as you suffer, Jesus suffers with you. He feels your pain. He calmed violent seas and he can bring a calm to our hearts. Let's worship together. Well, hey, welcome to CA Church. My name is Andrew, one of the pastors here, and uh, we find ourselves another weekend in isolation, but what a joy that we have technology. We can still sing together, and so I encourage you where you're at right now, if you're at your homes or wherever you are, let's stand together, let's sing together. Know that there are people in our church family across the city who are singing in unison, so let's do that together as a family. Let's sing this together. Then sings my soul my Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art. How great Thou art. Then sings my soul my Savior How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Sing this together.
Sing it together. Cause you are the one who lifts me up when I am weak. You are strong, you're faithful. You're faithful. You are the one who brings me hope. Your love will never let me go. You're faithful. You're
Jesus, today we look to you. You are where our help comes from. So we don't look to the left or to the right, we look up. We thank you that your presence is with us everywhere we go and everything we go through. We just continue to surrender our lives to you. Surrender these times to you. Pray in Jesus' name. band continues to play softly. We're going to be collecting our offering now, and uh, it looks a little different. We're not in the room together, and so there are ways you can give online, and so we're going to show that to you in this moment, and uh, you can give now during this time as we play some background music, and also if you're on the screens and you see some of the chats that are happening, uh, usually on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night, we uh, have a time of greeting where we come and greet each other and give hugs and high fives. Uh, so with our six feet apart, wherever you are in your homes, let's uh, take time to greet each other. And even if you want to greet some people online, and you can do that and give, and then we'll get to the message together. Thanks again for joining us this morning. Our mission as a church and the reason we exist is to help seekers and believers become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. I wanna share a couple ways that we're doing that right now. Firstly, if you need help as a result of COVID-19 or you know someone who needs help, our team of staff and volunteers would love to serve you. Whether that's offering prayer, picking up grocery orders or prescriptions, or whether you're in financial jeopardy, we have grocery hampers that we'd love to put in your hands. So please go to cachurch.info and click COVID-19 care to ask for help. If you are healthy and you'd like to help serve with us in the community, then you can sign up to serve on the community response team by clicking the box at cachurch.info. Over the past year, we've made prayer a central theme of our church, and we're gonna to continue to seek God corporately and personally in prayer during this time. A few ways that we're doing that together is, is one, we're setting up a virtual prayer room using Google Hangouts, and every weeknight from 7 to 8 p.m., we're gathering to pray together. We've had a great time joining together with our church family over this last week, Monday to Friday, 7 to 8 p.m., and you can just join the prayer room, bring prayer requests, you can pray along silently, or you can, or you can pray out loud uh, together in that prayer room. So we'd encourage you to take part in that. Secondly, as a church, we're gonna join with other churches in our community to pray throughout the day and night. And so you can sign up for a time by going to cachurch.info, click on prayer, then click on that box and you can join us for praying with other churches throughout the day. Thirdly, if you have prayer requests, we would love to be praying with you. We have a team of dedicated prayer people that would love to pray. And so you can submit a prayer request online. Easter's coming up and we're so excited to celebrate our risen savior together. At this time, we believe that our Easter services will be online only, as authorities are indicating that social distancing restrictions will continue for quite some time. But our team's been working hard to prepare some meaningful video services for Easter weekend. We'll gather on Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday. We'd love it if you could help us spread the word through social media and whatever platforms you have, as we wanna make much of our Savior and proclaim the hope we have in Him. In just a moment, Pastor Mark is gonna share a message from the Bible, but before he does that, just two quick notes. Firstly, if you have kids, or kids if you're watching right now, uh, we have some resources for you available at cachurch.info. So click on Family Resources, and you can watch videos together and do some activities with your family. Secondly, 
Just a quick note regarding our giving. Thank you so much to those of you who have been giving throughout this time. We have such a generous church and a faithful church. And Andrew already mentioned this earlier, but the easiest way to give is online. But if you prefer to give cash or check, our office is open during regular office hours, Monday to Friday. Or if you're in isolation, but you want to continue giving your tithes and offerings, you can call our office and someone would be happy to come and pick that up from you. Well, that's all for me. Here's Pastor Mark. everybody. Mark's my name. We're glad you're here. And I want to welcome people in, from Mariner Campus or Town Center or Ethos or the internet. Or you might have just uh, found our website from a friend or whatever. We're glad that you're with us. You're, we've, been, we've been, as a church staff, have been praying for you and we're glad we're hearing reports, great reports actually, of people helping people and the church being what we're supposed to be, the loving, caring community that we're supposed to be. And we find ourselves in a different place than we've ever been. And so we're trying to do things differently we're glad we get to do this this way, and I want to welcome you here. Take your Bibles, if you were, to turn to Matthew chapter 27, in fact. And uh, I want to talk to you about, uh, we're starting a new series called I Believe, and today we want to talk about the theology of Jesus, our substitute. If you're athletes, many of you know being subbed in and subbed out, taking someone else's position or whatever that is all about. And, and substitutions are actually very good very at times. Sometimes not so much. But this time, as it relates to Jesus, he was the substitute for all of mankind at the most critical time in history that there was. Matthew chapter four or forty or twenty-seven, starting in verse forty-five. First the culture that you need to, the context of this. Here we have Jesus hanging on the cross. It's midday. It says, it talks about the sixth hour, if you look at this. In fact, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all of the land, the text says. That's noon until three o'clock. God just kind of shut down the sun. Something amazing was happening, and it, it brought darkness. Now, you know, also it says until the ninth hour. The ninth hour is at three o'clock in the afternoon. That's just how they did their calendar, their their clockwork back there, if you want to say it that way. And so at three o'clock in the afternoon, this is what Jesus said and what was going on. But just to give you one more insight, at three o'clock in the afternoon, a few hundred yards from where Jesus was going, was crucified and hanging on a tree, there's a priest that's killing a sheep, a lamb, in the temple at three o'clock. Because our Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world was, being, was doing the actual sacrifice on Golgotha. That's what's going on here. And then it says, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Let's pray together. Lord, we need some help understanding this. And this profound statement that you said, if you would give us insight today, we will thank you in advance. And we pray not only that we would understand this, but we would live it out in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm reworking some material from Rick Warren, as well as I was redoing my library in the last little while, and I found out a whole chapter. In fact, I found a binder that's my old theology binder, and I pulled out this whole substitutionary atonement thing that we want to talk about today. If you want to have, uh, take some notes, if you go to cachurch.info, you'll have some notes. If that helps you follow along a little bit, that'd be great. So Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? Forsaken means deserted or rejected or abandoned. Nothing hurts quite like abandonment does, does it? Many people have talked to me about this, where they were abandoned by a spouse or a friend or rejected by a parent or a child or forsaken somehow. There's a deep feeling of abandonment. Jesus 
is in the last few hours of his, of his life. In fact, if you look at the last 24 hours, progressively all of the disciples had abandoned Jesus. Okay, we understand Judas. We understand that one. But only one disciple made it to the cross in that area. That was John. All the rest were gone. And yet even with that abandonment, Jesus wasn't talking about that. He was talking to God the Father. Why have you forsaken me? The question What's happening here? What's happening is Jesus became the sacrificial lamb of God. Simply put, he he became the substitute to cover all sin for the entire world in all time. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, at this moment, he took on the penalty for all sin of our world. He took the punishment. He assumed our place. He died in our place. He substituted us. The Bible says it this way in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. He, being Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice of our, for our sin, and not only for ours, but also for the sin of the whole world. He died for everyone. He gave his own life to substitute for us. See, it says uh, atoning sacrifice. The atonement, it means to cover, means to make payment for. If I smash into your car, I need to pay for that. I'm making atonement. Some, some people, when they go for lunch to each other or with each other, they'll say, oh, hey, I got you covered, or I covered that. That's the same word, atonement. It covers for it. Someone owed something, and someone else comes in and says, I got it. I pay for that. The payment for damages done was done by Jesus for each of us. He gave his life to cover or to pay for our sin. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. In both the NIV, I want you to see it also in the Living Bible, but then in the NIV. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Our sin went to him. His righteousness went to us. In fact, the Living Bible says this. God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. And in exchange... He poured God's goodness into us. It's the great exchange that happened. The substitution of all substitutions. Well, folks, what does this teach us? Well, a number of things. Let me give you a few. Number one, the first thing we learn is that God is holy. In Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah was encountering the very character of God, and the, the thing that came out was holy, holy, holy. It says that the angels were calling back and forth to each other. For God is holy, the Apostle John, when he gave a, got a glimpse of the throne room in heaven, Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. God is holy other. The one true God who created the universe is holy. What does it mean? It means he's perfect. There's 100% perfection in him. And because he is holy, he cannot stand in the presence of sin or evil. He hates sin or evil. Because of his pure perfection. Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 13. Your eyes are too pure to look upon evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. And so in that time on the cross. When, God, when Jesus fully God and fully man was dying for our sins. At that time when Jesus took the sins of, all, of everyone. And everyone's sin of slavery, disobedience, betrayal, uh, of, of guilt. All of that was laid upon Jesus. God the Father could not look upon that. And so at that moment, he turned his back on his son. What's really going on here, Jesus is explaining so that we understand the relationship of the eternal triune Godhead was broken for the first time, never before, because of sin. God is holy, and he turned his back on his son Jesus because he substituted for us. First, God is holy. Second thing we learn about this is sin is ugly. Often we don't see sin as ugly. We, sin as, we see sin as enticing or alluring or even cool. But what's really going on, there's an ugliness to sin. That if we look at the consequences of what happens when we sin, you'll see how ugly it really is. In fact, the consequences of sin it has damaged us in so many ways. And the best place to see the result and consequences of sin is on the cross. Every sin, every piece of dishonesty and betrayal, all of that was seen, and it's hideous. 
and gruesome. Remember, folks, a number of years ago, The Passion of the Christ came out. And I believe it was on Good Friday, we took our kids and, uh, and some friends of ours, and we went to the theater and watched The Passion of the Christ. Do you, do you remember that, that, that set or time in the movie when Jesus was being beaten? It was awful. It was awful. People were, were, were quietly yelling back at the screen, that's enough, stop. And a friend of mine said later, why, Mark, why did, was, did they do that in such a gruesome way? And my answer was, all of the sin of all of mankind for all time was laid upon Jesus through that whole process. In fact, the truth is, it should have been more gruesome. The consequences of sin are ugly and awful. So, we, it, so in terms of ugliness and damagingness of sin, I want to talk about how it often damages us as individuals. Sin damages us when it alienates us. It alienates us from God, ourselves, and others. In Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, it says, Your evil has separated you from your God, and your sins have caused you to turn away from you, caused him to turn away from you. Anybody who's married understands this. When there's a conflict going on between you and your spouse, intimacy and friendship gets interrupted. I've been married far too long. Uh, Diane walks in the room. I know if she's angry or how, how things are going. And she knows the same with me. We don't have to talk much about that. Because if there's something going on, sin alienates us. There's a separation that comes there. Secondly, sin is ugly because it, it stresses us and puts pressure on us that we're, we're never meant to carry. If you look at, the, I grew up on a farm and I was around machinery and different machinery are designed for different things as well as tools. You can't cross over and just use whatever tool for any, any, anything. It, that, that's not the way it works. The point is God has not made us to live in conflict and alienation from himself. When we break laws, it alienates us from ourself from others, and from God. And it's not his will and his desire for that to happen. For instance, fear and doubt and bitterness and guilt and resentment, all of those things are caused by sin. And in essence, it's unrecognized and unresolved between us and God when we live in that. And we just think, well, that's just life. It isn't life the way God wanted it to be. Thirdly, sin reveals the justice and grace of God. And I'm, I'm, I'm twisting this. I want you to see this, the twist that I'm, I'm thinking of here. Psalm chapter 7, verse 11, and many other places in the Bible, it says that God is described as the righteous judge. There's a righteousness to him, a rightness to him. He understands because his perspective, he is God, all of those things, but he's also just. And I'm not a righteous judge. I don't have perspective that God has. And there's many times I miss this and misjudge people. I misjudge myself. We talk an awful lot about grace and justice. But because he is righteous in his grace and righteous in his justice, it's amazing. In fact, that great verse, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, many of you have it by heart, have it by, off heart, by heart. You've memorized it. The wages of sin is death. That's the justice part. But the gift of God, here's the grace part, is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wages is something that we earn. Gift is something that we are given. He puts together, and he's the only one that can do this, both grace and justice together. So far, Jesus, in saying this statement, we understand that God is holy and sin is ugly. Thirdly, though, the third thing is, is that salvation is costly. In other words, in order for us to be in relationship with God, it cost God a whole lot. Salvation is very costly. People say, oh, it's free. It is free, but it isn't cheap. Somebody has to pay, and Jesus, our substitute, paid the price willingly. Romans chapter 3, verse 25, God sent him to die in our place to take away our sin. We receive forgiveness through faith in the blood of Jesus Christ in his death. This showed that God always does what is right and fair as in the past when he was patient and did not punish people for their sins. A great story that I think is just um, really accentuates this 
is the story of two friends in New York City. They grew up together as best of friends. They went to law school together. And then they had a great time in law school. But at graduation, something dramatically changed. The one friend was, became a well-respected federal court judge in the state of New York. The other guy got hooked up on drugs and became a common criminal. Many years later, the second guy caught, got caught in a fraud charge and was arraigned and brought into the courtroom before the judge, and the judge was his former friend. What would that feel like? Wow. He walked into the courtroom and he saw his buddy from law school, and um, many people were kind of wondering how this was going to go down. The judge, and hearing that he was guilty, did two things. First, the judge handed down the largest fine possible by the law to his friend. He gave him the biggest penalty the law would, ab- would allow. And then that judge got out of his chair, walked out from behind the judge's bench, walked down beside his friend, took his judge's robe off, and paid the penalty for him. That's exactly what grace is all about. And yet justice is all about as well. At the same time, it's exactly what Jesus did for us on the cross. Both grace, or sorry, both justice. God is holy and sin must be judged. Evil must be punished. And yet he is gracious. He did that. He took the penalty of our sin and forgave us. He paid the price. He is the atonement. Sometimes we read in the paper about this, some people in court, instead of going to court, they settled out of court. It's a great phrase. Settling out of court. You'll never have to go before a judge. It saves you all kinds of grief. It saves you money and time and all kinds of things. That's exactly what Jesus did for us on the cross. Before we had to stand before a judge in all eternity, Jesus saved us out of court. The amazing thing about salvation. It was all God's idea, none of ours. He has called us into this, this great forgiveness that he gives us. God is 100%. It was his idea. He took the initiative. And that's why Ephesians chapter 2 is so profound. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of ourselves. It's a gift that God has given us. Amazing. Nobody's ever going to love us more than God loves us. Nobody's ever going to sacrifice more than what Jesus did for us on the cross. Amazing grace. So what is our response? Well, five things, really quickly. We need to turn from our sin and trust Jesus to save us. There's no other way to restore our relationship with God. There's no goodness that we have or, or thing we can do or need to do. It's all about what Jesus has done and our acceptance of that. Romans 3.22, we are made right in God's sight when we trust Jesus Christ to take away all of our sin. And we all can be saved the same way. I love the, the, the way he puts this in the end. No matter who we are, or what we have done. You might say, oh, Mark, you don't know me. Well, I know me, and I know many others. No matter who you are or what you've been done. And that's why the sacrifice needed to be perfect and, a, and great. That's why Jesus is the only one to make that sacrifice. Secondly, we need to live in a state of gratitude, of thankfulness because of what Jesus has done for us. Because of his grace, we live thankful lives. Romans 5.11. Now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God. All because of what the Lord Jesus has done for us in making us friends. We once were enemies, now we're friends. Because of Jesus' sacrifice. Thirdly, we need to be conduits of God's grace. God has forgiven us. What must we do? Forgive. God has given us much of the right things that we need to do in our lives. What do we need to do? We need to obey that and, and do what he is asking us to. He's been gracious to us. We need to be gracious to one another. Fourthly, we need, when we are tempted to sin, we need to remember what our sin cost Jesus. See, sometimes we think, oh, sin is just something that I do and ask for forgiveness. It's not that big a deal. Sin is what put Jesus on the cross. We sinned against God, each other, ourselves. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. For you know that God paid the ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. You and I need to remember 
what it cost Jesus before we sin. And I believe it will keep us from sinning. Fifthly, we need to tell others the good news about what Jesus has done for us. God is patient. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. God is patient for your sake. He doesn't want to destroy anyone, but wants all people to have an opportunity to turn to Him and change the way they think and act. Can you imagine knowing this and not telling others? Like, what would happen today if you had the virus, the cure for the virus these days? Would you share it? In fact, if you didn't share it, it would be quite criminal, wouldn't it? Well, folks, Jesus loves this world, has died for this world, every person. He asked, asked his disciples, us, to go into every area of the world and tell everyone. We are his witnesses, Acts 1.8, to tell everyone in Matthew 28 of his love and grace for us. He substituted for us. We talked before about who's your one, the one person that God is asking you to, to, to befriend and, and call them and walk with them, especially these days. Folks, share the good news with others. This Easter that is coming up soon, share that good news of what Christ has done with others. We don't be pushy about it. But when they ask and say, why do you live your life a certain way? Tell them, because of Jesus. I'm honored to have spoken to you today about this. And I would pray as we go into this time of Lent and preparing for Easter, we would prepare our hearts knowing that Jesus substituted each of us. He said, hey, I'll, I'll take that. I'll cover that. And what that does is it paves the way for us to be forgiven to be, to be trusted of God, and in some ways to be, to be all that he is asking us to be to people who are around us. And I pray that you would do that in these, for some people, dark days. Amen? Amen. Lord, thank you for today. Pray your, you would touch every person with the amazingness of what this is about becoming our substitute. Change us as we live our lives before you and before a world that is asking many questions these days. We pray you'd give us wisdom as we interact and love. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's respond together. Came sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness. He humbled himself and carried the cross. Love so amazing. Love so Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven.
Thanks again for joining us for our online weekend service. Like the Apostle Paul says in a lot of his letters, how I wish that we could be together face to face, worshiping together and hearing the word in the same room. But for now, I'm so thankful for this online medium where we can do that together. At this time in our service, we're gonna move into prayer. And so I'd encourage you, if you're in a room with other people, whether that's family or friends, take the next few moments, whether 10, 15, 20 minutes together, to pray with one another. If you're alone in isolation, then I'd encourage you to call a friend or FaceTime or Skype and pray with others around the world or in your city. There's gonna be a few prayer needs on the screen. And so you can uh, look at those, engage with those, and pray together. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week. Thanks for joining us. God bless.